You are listening to Crosstalk. A safe place to discuss addiction, recovery, harm reduction, and everything in between. Support for this podcast comes from the Kentucky Opioid Response Effort and Advocates of Recovery. Content and production by the team at Turning Point Recovery Community Center. Now, buckle up and get ready for the show. All right, welcome everyone to Crosstalk Recovery, the recovery podcast that supports all forms of recovery. I'm Matt Lewis, and I'm here with Nathan Brockett, Matt Lacefield, and Will Kaler. Matt and Will work out the Fuller Center in Mayfield. Uh, Matt is the program manager out there and one of the therapists, and Will is one of the peer support specialists out there. I'm glad you guys are here today. Uh, I have never been through the Fuller Center other than to drop off and pick up. I'm as people know on here, I've only been to one treatment center, which is rare in recovery, I guess. And, uh, and but, me too. Me too. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Well, you went through Not, Fuller yeah, and then yeah, Center Point, the so thing. you got no, two. Okay. And, okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but so I'm interested to learn a little bit more about what you guys do out there. Yeah, so we are inpatient residential uh, treatment center with 28 days. And, and that can be adjusted. Uh, we can give a little longer. We've learned that now with insurance and stuff. Uh, we address uh, SUD, substance use disorder, but we also uh, do, deal with dual diagnosis. So if anybody's got, like, a, most of us do, you know, mm-hmm. you know most people, <laughs> most, people uh, we're gonna, most of us uh, deal with some kind of dual diagnosis, meaning any kind of, you know, uh, depression, anxiety disorders, and not just depression or anxiety, but the actual disorder with it will help address that as well. Now, we are only 28 days, so yeah. Yeah. I like to call it the scratching of the surface. Yes, that's what they yeah, told me absolutely. when I first yeah, got in there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then I think any real, um, uh, I don't want to say any real clinician, but any person that works in the, the, cl- the clinical field is going to know that it's a long process. And what I think we're here to do is really just try to get people on the ground and get to uh the level of care they need afterwards mm-hmm. so and we, we also do and one important factor that I, I don't know if enough people know is that we have the uh we had that we do men and women there yeah. you know so that's a big deal we don't have a lot of women no, you know? there's not, not enough women in recovery and i think it's uh, an outreach that really needs to be out there well, of course i get yeah. that See, I, I was i was blown away when i first walked in there and there were women I was like, I didn't know that they this kind of thing existed. Yeah. It was it was pretty cool. Not like I was chasing them or anything, but you know, yeah. it was just, it was, and we try to, and you know, yeah. uh, we try to keep a, a tie on that. We yeah. try to make sure strict gender uh, separation with that, yeah. but we're sick. We get into recovery, we're sick. <laughs> yeah. Sick. yeah, so. Well, and uh, everybody's got their journey of recovery, and our job, I think, is to help you get to that. So mm-hmm. you get in that first twenty-eight days, and that's that. That's that really that detox period, right. you know? Absolutely. But, yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, because I know that uh, I, it was still two months and I had the shakes when I was in <laughs> yeah, there. Like, right. I had a, 28 days wouldn't have been enough for me. But you guys do help connect people to long-term recovery that really want to go on and continue it, right? I think that's what we're known for. Almost. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if people call up to center point, they're like, yeah, you can go to the Fuller. By the way, that's not always true. But <laughs> it, it is. Uh, we can. We normally try to connect people into – we have ties with center point here in mm-hmm. Paducah. Uh, so we have ties with center point, and we can usually get people right into uh, that care. But – Center point is hard to get into. Yeah. Y'all know. Definitely. So it takes time and uh, it may or may not happen, but we do usually get people right into there. If we can't get you in there, 
that's where Will comes in, and right. he really helps out with that. So I'll work with the clients individually if they're if I'm their therapist in there. We have an, uh, another therapist and hoping to hire another one, uh, but. I'll work with them at an individual level, see what they want to do because yeah. we're we're um, we're a person centered place. So right. we work with the people. We want to mm-hmm. we want to get what kind of care is going to work best for you right. as the individual. Yeah, and we'll he'll connect them with outside resources. He'll connect them with uh, other treatment centers. He's getting some really good uh, connections mm-hmm. now. Yeah, basically, uh, that is my whole job is to figure out what you're going to do when you leave that 28-day program and where you want to go and where what place is going to suit you best. You know, uh, that's how I got to Center Point was mm-hmm. I went through the Butler Center. <laughs> yeah, and me too. <laughs> but I've also discovered that everybody doesn't want to take the same road that I did. No. You know, everybody doesn't want to go to Center Point. Some of them want uh, a more relaxed atmosphere. They don't like the community dynamic. They don't like the peer-driven dynamic. And, uh, you know, I want people to recover, so you don't have to do it the same way that right. I did. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, th- the great thing about that scratching the surface that Matt was talking about is, uh, you know, I wouldn't have been ready for center point if you'd have just stuck me right in center point. No, I'd have probably sir. got kicked out. My attitude was a bit of a problem, you know. And uh, that scratching of the surface, they got me just in line enough that center point could, could peel back more layers, yeah. you know, that we hadn't touched yet. And that's what I want for the people that I work with now, man. You know, touching on the women thing, there's not a lot of places to even send females. Absolutely not. No. That's been no, our yeah. one of our bigger struggles, man. Yeah. We, I mean, of course, it, we're, we're humans. People, everybody's got problems. Then you got women that, that they don't have places to go, and especially for treatment. And then even after treatment, we still have that issue, too. So, you know, it'd be nice if we could, you know, that could open up a little more. But, oh, well. You know, yeah. We're doing our best. The women thing, and I think we're getting into a new uh, era of recovery. Yeah. I really believe that and maybe i'm just optimistic i don't know but i believe we are and i believe people are starting to seek treatment more and women in the past uh it's been known that they didn't seek treatment yeah. as much mostly because they had custody of their kids yeah. and things like that yeah. so people didn't have as many treatment centers opening up and well i think that we're starting to move that way but mm-hmm. it's still very difficult you know and yeah. that's why i try to make it a big deal that you know, uh, we have an inpatient treatment center that can help you. Mm-hmm. Uh, we work with uh, outside entities if we can, you know, like uh, DCBS and yeah. things like that. We've had people be sent there or came on their own a lot of times because DCBS makes like, I call them soft referrals. So, <laughs> so it means like they're going to like be like, hey, you really need to seek yeah. some treatment. Yeah. Uh, and that's like part of their goal to get their kids back or mm-hmm. something like that or not lose their kids. Right. And uh, so we try to make sure we accommodate them with all that. That's awesome, needs. Man. Yeah, that's yeah. definitely awesome. It's a great resource. I know, like like Will was talking about with um, bridging. Like, that was your first experience. So that was my very very first experience with recovery in general. Mm-hmm. Like, um, so I'm, you know, when I'm in jail, they do the whole, hey, you know, if you got, you want to go to treatment, you can, but you have to go through Fuller to get to Center Point. You're going to be in treatment for X amount of months. Do you want to do that? And I was like, if it'll change my life, whatever. And uh, I got there whenever COVID was hitting. Oh, so man. I got to do the whole uh-huh. seven days quarantine, just freaking out, like, what's going on in here? But I did read the NA book and part of the AA book when I was in there. But uh, when I got out of there, like, I had no idea what was going on. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I got out of there, the first person I seen was Ricky Martin. And uh, he kind of broke it down for me. But when I started getting into the groups and all that stuff, that intro, you know, scratching the surface, that intro in AA and, you know, that – camaraderie that was the big part for me because mm-hmm. i walked in there and everybody's like hey we're glad you're here you know it's good to see you you're in a great place reassured me that i was safe and all that stuff and that that's 
the beginning of how it all started. I started being able to open up with other people and being comfortable with being an alcoholic or an addict and, you know, being able to talk to other people that are just like me because people that are just like me, most of them I've seen are in jail. Yeah. You know what I mean? So here we are, a place that people care about you. You know, the CAs down there do a phenomenal job. So, uh, man, that was – I always hype Fuller up as much as I can. Being that's like that's home for me, and being able, to, and even now, you know, two years down the road, I get to go back and do outreach. Like when I was doing that, the peer support before you got hired on over there, and I loved it. It was cool to see uh, how I could use my experience of that resource alone. And be like, hey, you know, you don't have to go to Center Point. You know, we sending people to Mark Center. We sending people wherever mm-hmm. they wanted. You know, like you said, person centered. And that's exactly what they did. For, I mean, it was in my, my order that I had to go to Center Point, but it was just at, the, <laughs> at that time, it was. It was just cool. You know, yeah. I felt like I'm not at a dead end just because I've screwed my life up so bad. Yeah. You know, it was it was really, really cool. And a lot of people that uh that I interact with been at Fuller, you know, you got people that went through Fuller that are working there. Yeah. You know, like that. I think that's just it's just a family almost, you know what I mean? So Yeah, and I do know of several success stories of people who just went through there and mm-hmm. have stayed sober and doing good. And I've met lots of people in recovery that always talk good about you, Matt, saying mm-hmm. that you've helped them out a lot. We'll be right back. Did you know that recovery from substance use disorder and mental health go hand in hand? That is why the caring and compassionate mental health professionals at Four Rivers Behavioral Health in Paducah are here to help you find your balance. They are proud of you for making the changes necessary to live a healthier life and would love to see you reach your full potential. Give them a call at 270-442-7121 or stop by the downtown location at 425 Broadway in Paducah, Kentucky. Hey y'all, did you know it's illegal to own just one guinea pig in Switzerland because they get lonely? Here at Turning Point, we don't want you to ever be lonely either. That's why we're open seven days a week from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. Always feel free to come hang with our friendly staff and don't forget your guinea pig. We're located at 415 Broadway Street, downtown Paducah. I know that Matt is my sponsor as well and he helped me out a lot coming through the program. Uh, tell us a little bit how you got into recovery in the first place. Well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> oh, well, it's kind of like uh, it's kind of like Nathan was talking about, you know, court orders. You know, <laughs> I, unfortunately, we live in a time where we call it a disorder, we even call it a disease, and it's not treated like that. Right. But fortunately for me, it ended up being treated like Absolutely. one, and uh, I didn't go to. <laughs> Uh, short term I didn't get that opportunity and it was probably in my best interest um, started at a real young age you know mm-hmm. just just like most of us I was you know experimenting in the beginning but you know I used to tell this story and I used to be like well it was really short time but I look back at hindsight's 2020 mm-hmm. it was quick <laughs> it was. I progressed really quick you know like next thing you know I'm using every drug because it felt good you know right. I probably had a lot of things the reason I didn't feel good or something because I, I I liked the way it felt you know and I was using all kinds of stuff and eventually uh it caught up to me and it caught up to me pretty fast too i used to think that it happened like oh i used for a while no like i was in a lot of trouble and i was in a lot of predicaments at a young age my first rehab we talked about how many rehabs you went to my first rehab was at 15 years old oh man yeah i went to a place in uh bowling green called rivendale and Mm -hmm. uh I, i spent 45 days there 
Now, I had no intentions on staying sober. <laughs> Matter of fact, they told me, they said, man, there's something wrong. You're 15 in a treatment center. And I'm like, well, I was like, you know, maybe I just don't need to use these yeah. drugs anymore. I can switch this out. And I, so I found like what I thought was the wonder drug and a little speed, you know. Yeah, and then, Yeah. Next thing you know, I'm off to the races with that. And, and it lasted for a little while. Uh, once again, it seemed like a long time. It was really, it was, uh, it was misery. That's probably why it felt so long. Yeah. Yeah. Because it was fun for just a short period of time that I wanted to stretch out and make it seem like forever. Yeah. But it wasn't. It was misery. And, um, and I had to live in that for a while. So that felt like a long time. And it was really just a few short years. You know, you think 15 to 20. Uh, and I ended up in some trouble b- between that time, too. And uh, But at 18, you know, that's when we can start getting our big boy charges, yeah, you know. So, uh, <laughs> you know, at 20 years old, I was pulled over. And um, I remember the first time they told me, and I was facing a charge that carried uh, 10 to 20 years. And I thought, I told that cop, I said, I didn't kill anybody. I didn't rob a bank. And I said, I didn't even hurt anybody. And he said, man, you're hurting everybody around you, you know? Dang. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it hit me like a ton of bricks. (laughs) I was still pretty resentful at the time, though. So, you know, I didn't didn't really think that it was a big deal. And I thought that they were overreacting. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody else is popping mine. (laughs) So I got the opportunity uh, through the DOC (laughs) to go to center. Point. I never even heard of Paducah. Yeah, you know, I'm from um, like the Bowling Green area. It's hard. Like I could tell people where I'm from, but they'll be like, "Where?" <laughs> <laughs> I lived in Bowling Green for a few years. We'll put it that way. Uh, so, you know, I lived there, and I was so recluse with my addiction that I I'd never even heard of Paducah. I realized that I was recluse. Uh, it was really just me being isolated because. I get on the interstate, and it says Paducah all the way from <laughs> Bowling Green to Paducah, you know? So, anyway, I um, I got on the, you know, I went to Centerpoint after some time incarcerated, and um, I, I thought that I had the program, and I thought, I really thought I just needed another chance. I, I just turned 21. They released me from incarceration, and uh, I just turned 21, and I thought, okay, I'm young. I just needed another chance. Right. And, you know, I really didn't use. I, I well, it's not that I really didn't use. I didn't use. I didn't use for. All, I could made it right at a year mark. Uh, you know, that's a big deal for us in, yeah, in recovery. Right. I could look back and I would be what we called the dry drunk. Though, you know, <laughs> I was a, I was miserable. Hey, you know how I, I always tell people this. You know how I noticed that I was miserable. I looked around at a meeting that I was at a twelve step meeting. And I was chairing the meeting, and I thought, what would these people do without me? <laughs> <laughs> you know, what would they do without me? They still had the meeting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, absolutely. Uh, so anyway, I, uh, I was in that state of mind, and I went home to, to Bowling Green because I had some good excuse, you know. Uh, <laughs> and uh, eventually caught back up to me, you know. I, I used again. I started with just one drink. Yeah. And I always love that, you know. Um, I love the fact that people had told me for so long, you know, like, you can't take one, Matt. You're right. different than other people. And I'm like, no. I got this. It's the other problems I've got, you know. Yeah, it's not yeah. the drinking. And for me, it's all of it. I couldn't do uh, any of that stuff for me. It, it took one drink. It put that same phenomenon of craving off mm-hmm. in my head. Off the races. Yeah, right yeah, back man. to the races. I get it. And, you know, once again, it seemed like forever. 
and it was just a short period of time, and I was right back incarcerated, right. you know. Them and bad times seem to go on for so long, don't they? They, they do. You know, <laughs> it really does, you know. And the way I used to tell my story is I'd be like, well, I was out there using for quite some time. Really, it wasn't long at all. Yeah. Matter of fact, I think if I look back, I think it was six months to four months or something like that that I was using. And that's not that long, no. you know, but yeah. it's, a, it's a long time for people like us, you mm-hmm. know, in that misery yeah. and then... I get it. Looking at death. But Especially after with a little bit of recovery in yeah, you. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like shame and remorse. Yep. Well, anyway, I got the opportunity to go back to Centerpoint. <laughs> <laughs> so, once again, the justice system did me some good, you know. I hope we do start to move in the, the way that I was talking about with the, looking at this as a disorder or a disease, however mm-hmm. you want to look at it. I would call it a disorder because it's clinical, you know. Yeah. Uh, but... You know, whatever you got to call it, it's it's a problem. You yeah, know? Absolutely. Yeah, and, and when we start treating it, I think that's when it's going to be important. Right. So, you know, but I got I went back through there, and y'all know the story from there. Some of you do. Like mm-hmm. I, I stayed there, I worked there for. Uh, I did the peer mentor thing for a yeah. year. There's absolutely. a little bit bad about it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I lived in that building for 18 months, and uh, you know, I and I, I tell people this all the time. It's not because like I like wanted to live in treatment. I was I sick it. of institutions. I absolutely you know? understand that. I wanted to be better, you mm-hmm. know. I wanted my life to be better, and and this is the problem that we have with the twenty eight days and people choosing where they want to go. Sometimes, and it's not like a complete choice. We work with them, right? Yeah. But like, if you're like in that mindset, like I need to get back home, and that's where I was for a long time. Yeah. Then you go back to the same stuff. So yeah. we want to make sure we get like the best care, and that's what mm-hmm. me and Will try. Will's peer support, so you could tell him a little bit harsher than I can, you know. <laughs> uh, but we want to make sure we get people get the best care because I knew this time it was that same old story. Mm-hmm. I was going to go back out there, and I was going to do the same thing again. Right. If I was to go back out, you know, I was going to live with mom. She's going to have a car, and there's work nearby, yeah. and she's going to provide a place to live, and yeah. you know, it all sounds good, but. I did whatever it took, and you know, my story goes on to you know school and working at Center Point as a caseworker to working my way into management, continuing school the whole time. Moved to Fuller when I got my uh, my bachelor's degree, uh, became a clinician, and then moved up into the management there. And now I'm the program manager there. Uh, now I have my master's degree and stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah, That's awesome. You yeah. know what's crazy? I just remembered this. I was at Fuller when you very first started there. Yeah. Wow, he's with slick back hair. Confirm or deny. It's just crazy looking back. Yeah. Man, it's, it's, it, it don't seem like that long ago. No, no, so. it really don't, man. Time flies. Mm-hmm. There's that uh, that person that says that it's in the journey, not the destination. Yeah. And I think the reason they say that is because this is a beautiful journey. Oh yeah. Sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like you're talking about in recovery, or when you were out there, it seemed like forever, but yeah. since I've been yeah. sober, it seems like such yeah. a short period of time, but so much time has passed, yeah. you know? And we can remember it. <clears throat> right, <laughs> exactly. So, Will, when, whenever, uh, y'all don't just bridge them to treatment. So, say that, say that they don't want to go to treatment after 28 days. Y'all also were connected with the sober living and stuff like that in the areas, and y'all have pretty good success, success with that. Uh, man, I wish... I guess really, like I've said about everything, I wish we had more options mm-hmm. because sometimes the beds are full there. Uh, right. But, yeah, I pretty much anything you're willing to do. Because, you know, it's, okay. it's hard to get some of us to want to engage in anything after mm-hmm. 28 days. Some of us come there just for that, you know, to satisfy that court order yeah. or whatever it is. And I want something to stick. So if, if they don't want to go to treatment, you know, sober living, if you will just settle with letting me help you find a sponsor before you leave. Mm-hmm. 
I do that yeah. sometimes. You know, I'll start making phone calls. Uh, luckily, I've been in this long enough so far that I know quite yeah, a few of y'all. Built a good y'all, connection. You know? <laughs> it's a one big happy family. Yeah, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so I, I start making phone calls and then uh, getting people to at least build a somewhat of a relationship. They know someone yeah. they can call. They have a phone number when they leave. They have a, a, a list of meetings near their hometown. I don't care if they live six hours away. I'll make sure mm-hmm. I give them a list of meetings where they're at. And uh, try to get them somewhat involved because, you know, everybody doesn't want to go to another treatment nah. center right after. Nah. So, so it's, as soon as they walk through the door, you're pretty much there with them. Yeah, I'm, the a, I'm, on, I'm on it even before they come out of quarantine if they have to get quarantined. That's awesome. I try to go out there and, and not every time, but I'll take them to smoke and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And just kind of build a relationship because I get it. I was yeah, there. Absolutely. You know? <laughs> yeah. I 100% understand what it's like to be in there and, and not know if you even want that it's scary you know? man it, it was uh, for me at least you know yeah kind of like what you were saying when i went there i can remember i had made a decision i was not going to tell anybody how bad i actually was, I was like, <laughs> really <laughs> i had made a decision like i didn't even know why i was there 100 percent. but i was like you know what i'm not telling these people that i, I do drugs every day and i'm homeless <laughs> i don't know nobody in this room and then someone else shared mm-hmm. and they they were honest and i was like Man, I'm gonna be honest. I plan to align to everybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and look how you just how you grew from that. You know? What oh I mean? yeah, that, man, that's it awesome. was. And I, I remember. Uh, I think one of the scariest parts of when I was at Fuller was when we had to do that uh, timeline. Ah, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, that yeah. was. I spent so much time on that. I was like, I gotta get this right because I was so scared of it. Though I was, and I was like, you know, if I'm scared of it, I'm gonna hit it head on. And just try to get this out. And I spent so much time in that book y'all gave us. And then Miss, you know, Miss Carol gives you that big binder. And yeah. I was like, man, I, I dug through all that, just trying to find, just trying to get my mind together. And you know, I got up there and being able to share with people mm-hmm. and everybody, you could see it when whenever you share your story. There's always somebody you can yeah. see that's like, I get that, I yes. feel that, and that that's when you know, for me, with the growing part of it, you know, being able to share with another person and just feeling connected, not so alone in this world, like I felt for so many years, man. So, you know, I, I attribute this whole thing to me being at Fuller, honestly. You know, if it hadn't have been what you guys had going on there at that time, I don't know if I'd be here today. That's awesome. You know, so it's, and, and then, you know, you, you is where you're at now. Yeah. You are, are a, a shining example of, like, you know, oh, I yeah. see guys doing, you know, went through the same path that I'm doing. You're a little further ahead, and you don't got the master's degree. Oh, you're, yeah. you're, you're helping people in a positive way. And that's, you know, that's something that I, myself, that I really look forward to being able to do one day, you know, God willing. So I just, you know, it, it's good to see that, people that are just like me doing big things. Yep. You know, that, that's, it can't beat that. You know, Matt brought it up, and, and Will did too now, and I think it's just something important is that, like, we do it all mm-hmm. the time, and, and we do it. We're lucky enough, all of us at this table, we're doing it in our workplace. Yeah. But yeah. even outside our workplace, sponsorship, you know, yeah. we help people so they can be – they can see that side that you're talking about, but it also helps us. Oh, you know? sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, you know, connecting them with sponsors and stuff like that, that's what we try to do. And uh, I'm, it's hard to do that. We, we don't have a lot of uh, community. We're in Mayfield. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know if I mentioned that earlier or not, but so connecting people with people in Mayfield can be difficult sometimes yeah. in navigating that with the, with the sponsorship and mm-hmm. people are going all over the place and yeah. stuff, yeah. but you know, uh, being able to hear that story. Yeah. We'll know. be right back. Join us June 4th for Turning Point's first annual recovery walk to fight substance use disorder presented by the Regional Prevention Center at Four Rivers Behavioral Health. The event starts at 10 a.m. at Noble Park. Everyone is invited as a part of a community that supports people in recovery. 
There will be food, prizes, fellowship, and activities for kids. The walk is sponsored by the Partnership for Better Health, the Kim Musgrave Team, the Graves County Exchange Program, and the Opioid Task Force. See you June 4th. Hello, everybody. You want to know something? My biggest issue with meetings is despite their name, they're never about me. Here at Turning Point, all of our meetings are for you and about you. We have meetings at least three times a day, seven days a week. We are located at 415 Broadway, Paducah, Kentucky. Call 270-444-3621 for more information. Hey, I was thinking about the uh, the timeline assignment. You was talking yeah. about it. And, you know, those are – I believe they're Hazleton that uh, provides that um, – those assignments, the, mm-hmm. the first step and the timeline, and they're both connected to the, the first step. That's yeah. what we work there, right? Yeah. And, you know, that that first step is the a manageability and yeah. I mean, you're an alcoholic. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> but there's a lot of factors, and I don't know if they meant to do this whenever they made those assignments, but as a, as a clinician, as a therapist, I look at that, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, there's so much into that. Like you said, First, you're helping other people by you sharing your story, Mm -hmm. but you're also helping yourself in so many ways we don't even see. Like, there's a lot of things we've never shared to a group, you Mm -hmm. know? Oh, yeah, man. There's a lot of things that we've never worked through ourselves, you know? Uh Uh-oh. Is that a blooper? Is that going to blooper real? No. Okay. All right. Somebody in the closet next door. (laughs) (laughs) Uh What exactly is the timeline assignment? Man, all right. So it was pretty much where... They handed me a composition notebook like we get when we're in, in elementary school. <laughs> Write your story. And I was like, or like pretty much what led you here? Yeah. And I was like, oh, my goodness. And, I mean, I went from being where I was born, where I was born, <laughs> tried to think of when I was born, uh, like as far as time. I mean, I went in, in, in that in depth, you know, talked about I put a lot of dark stuff in that composition notebook because, you know, you know, my dad dying, you know, uh, my granddaddy dying from alcoholism, uh, my uncle's crazy escapades that I went through with him. And it was, there was, I'd never done that before. I'd never, you know, kind of put eyes on it. It was all just in here. And being able to write that down and be brave enough to do it and face that right there and reread it and reread it because, you know, a lot, you know, we're, we're busy at Fuller, but you do have time. Yeah. I was in quarantine when they it was, let me go ahead and start doing mine. That's, you know, and uh, so I was in there by myself doing all that and, you had a little extra time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I, I mean, I took that extra time, but it was yeah. that was so meaningful because, you know, it was like I was working through it right then. It was almost like a like yeah. a my own version of a fifth step to myself a little bit, and right. and then it just made it easier to share it with somebody else when I had it because you know when you get up and talk in front of people, it's always like when when you're going to give your lead, it's like oh I know what I'm going to say, but it always goes different. <laughs> I had it right here in front of me and was able to just get the it hit the major points, but it, I was just. Man, I don't know. You know, I'm sure any of you guys ever told your story or anything like that. Like being able to talk that stuff off. You're being in a one-on-one setting with someone when you're having an issue. Being able to talk to them about that and get deep with it. It was. I, I don't know. I don't know. It, it, it works wonders. It's kind of like the 30 assignments you do when you yeah. get to center point because that was the same way. Like I, <clears throat> I enjoy writing a lot. I'm not really good at talking. Yeah. But I enjoy writing and I can get it all out that way. Mm-hmm. And that was I felt the same way about those assignments when I got there. Just to actually, that's <clears throat> excuse me. That's like you first taking a look at it yeah. and really going back over. It's like a, a mini four-step of really like reliving some of the shit. Mm-hmm. And um, 
realizing while you're there and that you deserve to be there, you know. And don't don't just think it's all about book work neither, man. Like I remember we watched uh, a lot of a lot of videos and shows about. Uh, I remember I remember one in particular was about the uh, the cookie. Like you remember the ones you get in the little jar. Uh-huh. I can't remember who showed it, but it was like when you when you eat the cookie, your brain registers success. And it's kind of like using alcohol or drugs. Your mind registers success. And I learned about all that kind of stuff. Oh, I'm there with Susan. Yes, Miss Susan. Yes, yes. And I got all these pieces of paper that showed me, you know, methamphetamine's effects on the brain where it showed holes in it. I mean, all this stuff that I'd never known about. And it's... It wasn't a flood of information. It was like I was welcome to understand this stuff. Yeah. And it was really cool. I watched the, you know, uh, I Am Bill W. there. Uh, man, me too. <laughs> Still man, haven't seen that. It put me in full of, uh, uh, all in my emotions. You know, I yeah. got up and walked out on the part where his wife is having a miscarriage and hemorrhaging and he's out drunk. Yeah. And not there for I got up and walked out and they was like, what's wrong with you? And I was like, that's me. Yeah, that was I'm an open that. air and opportunity yeah. to work on that one. Is that what yeah. I'm saying? So yeah. that's exactly what I mean. That, that facing yourself for the first time and exactly who and what you've been, you know, yeah. it was scary. Yeah, it was cool. Never played cornhole till I got to <laughs> <laughs> never played cornhole. Uh, uh, you know, I used to I used to watch the. I just for some reason I remember it was like every other day the cops were over across the street at the crisis. Oh yeah, yeah, I, was yeah, like, yeah. I, I was still afraid of police by then, and yeah. I was like, oh my god, what they here for? Yeah. I remember still kind of being a little bit high. <laughs> what, what, what's going on here? But it, man, it's it's such a wonderful place, you know. And you, did you guys have any problems when the tornado came around? It, you know, well we uh, we didn't get hit at all, thank God, but. Um, you know, so there's a few factors with that. So, like, we're actually getting a lot of the people, though, now. Yeah, that's what I was... Yeah, yeah. that um, that have been hit by the tornado, and they're, they're kind of coming out of the woodworks. And and that's one thing that we were able to deal with as well, is that's a trauma, man. Oh, yeah. That's a huge trauma. Yeah. And we got people with acute PTSD right now uh, that are dealing with... Um, the, the aftermath of that tornado yeah. and their homes got carried with them in it, you know, oh, and all kinds of things like that. And, uh, you know, there's so many examples, but, you know, we've got people there like Danielle that is actually trained in EMDR. She's awesome. Yes. Yeah, she was my and, clinician when I was there. Wow. And she, I, I, she's the go-to. If I got any questions, you know, she's my boss. She's yeah. been my boss since I've been there. But, but even more so than that, you know, it's somebody that's knowledgeable about clinical work. And, mm-hmm. and I always say, you know, I've realized this. I don't have um, – any dual diagnosis per se, I probably didn't have a lot of them, yeah. but I'm not, you know, not, nothing treated at the moment besides right. with the recovery program that I work in, the variations of coping skills that I've learned. Um, you know, I always say that you've got to, you've got to work on that mental health, mm-hmm. you know, and that can just simply be working on, like I just said, coping skills in Absolutely. order to, to deal with everyday life. I didn't deal with everyday life before, you right, know, right. so. You know, you got to deal with that mental health. I was dealing with a lot of grieving when I got to uh, recovery this time, and mm-hmm. I knew something was wrong. I was like, man, I want recovery, but I don't at the same time. Yeah. I was ambivalent about it. I, mm-hmm. I wanted it but didn't, and uh, so I knew something was wrong, and I went to therapy and did grieving for a while, and uh, thank God I did that, you yeah. know, because it it changed my, my, my motivation for recovery because – I was able to get on the, the right side of the street for yeah. that. You know, like I wanted it and didn't want it before. Now I'm okay. Now mm-hmm. I want it again. And I've got the tools here at this treatment center, and they're helping me get it. 
So we deal with, like I said, that dual diagnosis part of that. And we've mm-hmm. got really trained professionals like Danielle that can do certain things like EMDR that I'm not trained in myself. Right. Hope to be one day, but it's it's a very uh, touchy kind of right. treatment, you know. So you need the right people doing that kind of stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. I get it. And that ambivalence you're talking about, man, y'all are like the the, the the front line of trying to get people over that hump. Sometimes yes. I, did, you know, I wanted to be there when I first got there because it was like, hey, this time going to change. But I was there with people that didn't want nothing to do with it. Yeah. But I've also also watched them change. You know, there's still people that I was there with that are sober today. Yeah. So you know, it's y'all are you know y'all were like I said, my first introduction to what life is like in recovery. You know, so yeah, I was one of those people. I didn't I didn't want to be there. I was just homeless. <laughs> Oh, well, I get that. I mean, y'all gave me a home, gave me a bed, gave me food. Man, I remember eating, uh, what was it, drinking uh, the heck out of apple juice. I know it's probably <laughs> absolutely irrelevant to what's going on, and eating yogurt like crazy. Oh, yeah. And Miss Wendy back there makes the best food. I love her food. Even when I go do outreach and fuller, I'm like, hey, put me up a plate. Miss <laughs> <laughs> Wendy's awesome. Just a great group of people, man. Yeah. You know, and y'all y'all care. That. Yeah. That's, uh, I think, uh, what a lot of people are missing. I think we're trying to change that. You know, Will went through there at a different time than you. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was like a mini center point when I went through there. Okay. It was way stricter. Um, uh, Angela from IT was actually the supervisor, and uh, Matt's job didn't even exist yet. So it was <laughs> a lot slimmer, and uh, it was, you know, if you, you – Walk up to that line and don't ask permission. <laughs> you're gonna get some words, and it was it was really like a we had community every day. Your peers could hold you accountable, and we we're coming in off the street, so you got somebody who's been spun for the last three years holding you accountable. Yeah, you know. But it was what I needed because I, you know, the book, you know, the AA book talks about you know we're people that's undisciplined, and that mm-hmm. was me. I had no structure. I never answered to anybody, and. To be in a place that made me sit still long enough to look at myself and didn't care if I liked it or not. <laughs> I needed yeah, that, man. For you sure. Know, uh, yeah. Everybody always assumes I was court-ordered because of my attitude. Yeah. I wasn't court-ordered to treatment. Uh, I actually was playing the, the pity pot one day, and my wife had left me, and I'd lost my kids, and I was like, well, I'm going to kill myself. And they called my bluff and uh, called 911. <laughs> <laughs> and they took me to the crisis center, and uh, which I, I had taken a bunch of pills. And uh, they was like, what, what can we do to help you? Right. And I said, man, you know, uh, I probably should go to rehab. But then when I got there, I didn't want to be there. <laughs> I was just kidding. Uh, they started telling me I was an alcoholic, and I was like, no, 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 no. You're no, not no, understanding no. here. This one drug that I need to stop doing. I can do everything else. Yeah, I heard a lot of that, too. When I, was there. I, was like, I can just stop doing the math. You know, I was that was my exact thing. Marijuana, yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, you know, I, I, I definitely get down with that, man. Yeah. And it's cool to see you guys that, that, that went through without – you know, the DLC entity behind All you, that, Matt. Yeah. And, and yeah, you, you know. me. <laughs> yeah, it was, I'd been in and out of jail, but they never, I, one time they court ordered me a treatment and I was so out there that I didn't follow, I didn't even go get an assessment, so I just went to jail. Yeah. And I uh, <laughs> didn't even know that that happened, actually, but, uh, you know, I just, I, I was at rock bottom. I had no other options in life. My mm-hmm. family had finally started turning on me. My dad died about, I would say, 13 months before I went to treatment. Yeah. And uh, I, I just had nothing else. I lost my kids. I, you know, wife left me. The, the whole uh, story that you hear, and uh, I didn't know what else to do. And when I went there, it was one of them bittersweet things. Everything I was hearing pissed me off, but everything I was hearing was true. Yeah. And I knew that I was going to have to do something different if I was going to have a life worth living. I can remember sitting there and being so mad because I looked at my life and I hadn't accomplished anything. Man. Had nothing. And, uh, you know, they were telling me, well, if you do what we're telling you to do, you'll have a life worth something. Yeah. 
And I was like, I don't even know these people. And they're asking me to trust them with my life. And then I was like, well, you don't have a life to begin with. Yeah. So. <laughs> it is Might so good to take a chance. It's so good to hear you say that because it's just exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. And these people, I was like, well, these people obviously know better than I do because they look happy. You know what I mean? And yeah. I'll be darned, you know, I did what they asked. And it's not like it was that hard. But that, that when, you're, when you're still coming off of all the drugs and you're still mad at yourself and all that stuff, it's, it's, it's hard to take suggestions at that yeah. point. Because it feels like somebody's telling you what to do. Yeah. We don't like that. No. <laughs> I definitely don't. And yelling at me and telling me I can't do this, uh, you're going to give me words for leaving my light on. Oh, <laughs> don't go through that door. Uh, I remember that. I, st- I still, when I go fuller, I still have. A, I still put myself to the men's side. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah. It's ingrained, man. Trained yeah. good. Yeah, <laughs> boy. You got to have the strict gender separation. You got to have it, I can understand man. that. Yeah. But we are trying to, and I don't know, good, bad, and different or whatever, try to make people feel more comfortable there, yeah, you know. Man. Um, you know, it probably worked for a lot of people the way it was ran before. A couple of things we're trying to do different is get connected. You know, mm-hmm. get connected to these outside sources, Turning Point and mm-hmm. Center Point. We've been connected to. We want to maintain that. We've got some new ways we're doing it. If you went through Center Point before and you don't want to go back, which I always like, well, why not? But you know, <laughs> you know, if you don't want to go back, there's that. They're letting people back into Phase Two communities sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, YPR. I've got a, a, another lady coming from um, coming from uh, uh, full, uh, Fuller or not Fuller. I got that on my mind. Uh, Four Rivers coming from the corporate office, and she's going to be talking about uh, women with uh, pregnancy and addiction. And oh, you know, yeah, that's a big yeah. deal. Yeah, yeah, and that. I, well, I never thought. I was like, well, we don't have very many women, and then she was like, hey, look. They could have uh, the boyfriends or the the guys in there could have girlfriends. Yeah. And, you know, you never know what could be happening. I know that's a common thing. It's not. Oh, yeah, for it's sure. not something we advertise because people are probably ashamed of it, mm-hmm. much like most addiction stuff. But it's a serious issue. My first rehab, that one I was fifteen. There was a girl side, and uh, I seen almost every girl that I seen. Which they did a really strict gender separation yeah. there. They were all pregnant. You know. Wow. Yeah, yeah and they were like sixteen, seventeen. But, yeah. That is crazy. Yeah. Almost every one of them were. I, 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 like you could tell, they were far along, so mm-hmm. that's how I knew We'll that. be right back. Okay. Our community is in the process of healing. While we rebuild physically, it's important not to neglect our mental health. Common responses to traumatic events can include grief, anxiety, depression, trouble sleeping, or even fear. These feelings are normal reactions. When these feelings become too hard to manage on your own, consider calling the 24-hour crisis line at one 800 592-3980. Help is just a call away. Every day, an average of 130 people die from an opioid overdose. Opioid overdose is the leading cause of death among adults 15 and younger in the United States. Naloxbox helps save the lives of overdose victims, and there are now over 600 units installed nationwide but we can do better. Each unit increases access to naloxone, it reduces the stigma that's often associated with opiate overdose, and it works to save lives one box at a time. We hate that there are so many places in this country that need Naloxbox units, but the truth of the matter is there are still so many more that need them. Although rescue should not be the only strategy used to address this epidemic, it remains a very important one. You have the chance to improve victim outcomes and the chance to reduce overdose deaths. Whether you're in the private or public sector, you can make a statement that you care. You can install in a box and you can help us save lives.
Uh, so to get into Fuller, is it just referral, or can somebody just walk up and say, "Hey, I need help," or you know, how does how does that process work? Yeah, so y'all have been a great connection. Well, yeah. yeah, referral wise, turn it yeah. <laughs> Y'all been a great connection, but uh, so give us a call. Uh, give us a call. You can Google it, uh, and you can give us a call, and we'll set up an assessment. Depending on your situation, they may get you in sooner, they may get you in later. We're right now working on getting our bed numbers up so we mm-hmm. can get more people in so the waiting list is not too long. Remember, it's only 28 days, so our turnover rate's pretty high, oh, yeah. so we can get people in there fairly fast, within right. a week or so at the latest. But normally, if, if, if circumstances are right, we can get you there within a couple of days. We want to oh, make yeah. sure you're safe, you know. We really want to make sure you're safe. If we can house you, we're going to take you, yeah. you know. But it's all kinds of ways. There's also their uh, DOC do refer sometimes. Normally, if they're referring to us, they're trying to get them somewhere else, too, you know. Yeah, yeah. We're like the in-between. The gateway. Yeah, we are the gateway <laughs> place, you know. Hey, I don't mind that being us. Matter of fact, like I said, we're scratching the surface. Very few come to us uh, and go through just our center. And the ones that do, we've had some success. Yeah. Uh, we, I, I can name about three or four people off the top of my head, but I can name handfuls upon handfuls of people that's went through our center and then went through center point mm-hmm. and have maintained at least two years of sobriety. Yep, I'm know? one of them yeah. sitting right yeah. here. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, me that's as well. Cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And I've, I've built relationships there that, that just there, I think it was in that process of that scratching the surface, peeling back that onion. You know, I built these relationships that are just lasting. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, we talk when you go through pain with somebody together, it kind of, I don't know, I'm not going to say trauma bond, but yeah. it was, you know, I felt I felt what they felt, and it just, I still have those relationships. Like I said, I guarantee, I still have my books from when I was in Fuller in my closet. I had to get my cat off of it this morning. Yeah. It's, just, it's kind of crazy. I did, I thought about that forever. Those are vintage now. Yeah, so no. you <laughs> The, the question is, and this is one of the reasons why we come here today, is how do you get those people in, like y'all situation, that uh, don't have those DOC, don't have a lot of consequences? They're just seeking help because that's what we're there for. We're just – we're like – if you have insurance and you go to the hospital because you broke your arm, you need help, right? Yeah, and sure. you expect your insurance to pay for that help. And uh, the same goes for us. You know, we're there to help. And we're just uh, people coming in on their own mm-hmm. is far in between. A lot of people tell you they're on their own. Yeah. And then they got a warrant. Yeah, yeah, they got a warrant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I get that. That's, that's the bridge that we're trying to. to to figure out, I'd say y'all's. A, I, I, would you call Barbara the administrative staff type deal? Yeah, so she you, is a resource out mm, of this world. Yeah, man. all I gotta do is just call her up and be like, "Hey, what can we do?" Yeah, she's amazing. It's, she, 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 she was the first person I remember sitting in that chair by the TV, just watching TV, like, "What are we gonna do now?" And here comes Barbara, and she mm-hmm. was, you know, she was my first idea of, you know, it's it's the whole game. It's, it's, it's something, you know, Matt, you missed out, bro. <laughs> we got a bed. <laughs> I don't know how I skipped the Fuller Center. I just got lucky and went straight into Center Point uh, off the street. I was just ready for something else. Like I guess because I was old, they never tried to send me to treatment before. When I was getting trouble young, they they weren't sending people to treatment. I was going to jail, and that was it. There was no options like that, you know. And um, and it, plus I wasn't ready, you know. If I'd have gone, I, like I'm really impressed by the young people that come in and actually take advantage of the opportunity. Yeah, that these programs offer and change their lives because I know that I wouldn't have been when I was that age. I just wasn't ready. I needed all the pain I could get, and yeah. I got it. <laughs> so uh, that's what it took for me. 
But I really appreciate what you guys do over there. It's awesome. You're setting such a great example mm-hmm. for everybody, for us, for others. Uh, you know, hopefully more people will come out there. Hopefully we'll get some women in out there. Yeah. You know, um, you're doing great things. We appreciate you guys for coming on today. Um, we're on YouTube, obviously. Uh, we have audio versions on Google, Apple, uh, Podbean, Spotify, all those. So click the link in the description. And uh, thanks again, guys, for coming. Stay so grateful. Thanks for having us on. Wow. That was- if you or someone you know is struggling with addiction or in recovery and needs guidance, speak with Turning Point's team of peer support specialists by calling 270-444-3621. You are not alone, and we are proof that recovery is possible.